Hello. It's a, I must say, it's very interesting to see this many of you. Uh, when I was in high school, the group that met like this was much smaller. So, that's a cool thing. Like Hunter said, my name is Brian Seagraves, and uh, an interest of mine has been Christianity for some time. And knowing more about the Christian faith, being able to defend it, and that's, that's something I'd like to, to talk to you about today. So we're going to talk about relativism and tolerance. Most of you probably know what tolerance is, but relativism is the idea... Take two. <laughs> so moral relativism is the idea that statements of right and wrong are just personal preference. Okay, they're not objective. And when I, when I talk about something like murder, I'm not actually talking about the act of murder. I'm talking about how I feel about murder. Okay, so there can be as many moral truths as there are people who believe them. You might believe something about murder or theft, and I might believe something else, and each one of you could have a different view. And this is the view of moral relativism. So on this view, who decides what's right and who decides what's wrong? Well, you do. It's up to you. Okay. So moral claims are about the subject, me. I'm a subject, not the object, the thing we're actually talking about. And so on this view, saying that rape is wrong or murder is wrong is the same type of thing as saying that butter pecan ice cream is delicious. You might disagree that butter pecan ice cream is delicious. I might think it's great. I actually don't. Um, but we're all entitled to our view. And a moral relativist would say that rape, murder, theft, all of these things fall into that category. They're just statements of personal preference. Now, this is in stark contrast to what we would call an objective claim. So we had a, a subjective claim that was relative to the subject, me as a person, or you as a person. And an objective claim is one that pertains to an object. So I would say this chair has four legs. That's, that's an objective claim. It's not my opinion. I'm not just emoting. It's not a preference. No, it, it either has four legs or it doesn't. That's an objective claim. And an objective claim is true for all people in all places at all times to whom the claim applies. So if this chair doesn't change and it has four legs today, it would be true to say it has four legs tomorrow if that's an objective claim. Okay? On an objective view, the taking of innocent life is either true or false. It's either true yesterday, today, and forever, or it's false yesterday, today, and forever. So let's look at some, some stacked up differences between objective and subjective. Objective truths are either true or false. Subjective truths are neither true or false. An objective truth can be wrong. I, I could say this chair has four legs and it might have three. You're going to tell me I'm wrong. You're not going to be okay with me just stipulating that it has three, especially if I want to make you sit in it. Right? Okay? And a, a subjective truth can't be wrong. Objective truths are about things, ideas, morality. Okay? And a subjective truth just simply talks about your feelings. This gets less dry as we go on, I promise. Um, and objective, some sources of objective knowledge or truth would be historical events. They either happened or they didn't. 
math and empirical sciences. If you say it's just your opinion that gravity acts in a downward fashion and you try to act like it doesn't, you're probably going to hurt yourself. That's an objective truth. Ethics and morals. And we'll talk about how they are objectively true. And religions. Now, these last two, you might be thinking, well, they're not objective. Religions, ethics, morals, we decide those things on our own. And that's what I'm here to talk to you about today. And I would stipulate or proffer that we don't decide what is moral. We discover it. And that the moral law is, in fact, a law. Not one that's on the books. It's not in the Constitution. Although our Constitution and founding documents do seem to flow from it. And we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. This seems to say that Thomas Jefferson and the Founding Fathers thought that man was a valuable person, that he was created. And let's look at some common claims from people who don't have an objective view of morality or truth. Okay, these would be people who have a subjective view. They might say there's no truth. You can't know what is true. You shouldn't judge. All truth is relative. Only science can give us truth. And you shouldn't force your morality on people. So I have a question for you. It's not rhetorical. Is there a problem with any of these statements? I see a head shaking. What yeah. would you like to tell me? And what's your name, by the way? John. John. These statements aren't like actually accurate. Okay. Why, why can't you say that? Because it flowed off my mouth really, really easily. <laughs> we don't decide what's true. Okay. Who decides what's true? God. Okay. Marshayla Coggins to the front office. Marshayla Coggins to the front office. There are these things called the law of logic. You may have heard about them, you may not. But they exist. And one of them is the law of non-contradiction. And this is the formal definition, but it says... A cannot be both A, what it is, and not A, what it is not, at the same time and in the same relationship. Okay, so if you were to say the sky is red, and I was to say that the sky is blue, the sky can only be one thing, it can't be both. Now, maybe I get a pass because I'm colorblind when I get it wrong, but probably not. Okay, and all of these claims we just looked at violate this fundamental law of logic. So let's look at them quickly. If there is no truth, then that statement can't be true. Right? If it's true that there's no truth, then the statement that it's true that there's no truth can't be true. And that's convoluted, but hopefully that, that stands out to you. And, and I would say that if there's no truth, then no, no book written by an atheist could ever be true either. And so I'm a Christian, and I think the Bible is true. And the first step to actually getting to that and proving it is you, ha you have to establish that there is truth. Because if there's no such thing as objective truth, then the Bible can't be true. Okay? Another claim, you can't know truth. That's a truth claim. That person is claiming to know something about truth. You see that that is also self-defeating. It contradicts itself. You shouldn't judge. Wasn't that a judgment in and of itself? And just to pause a little bit here, people say Christians shouldn't judge. Jesus came to teach love and peace and kindness and grace. And that's very much true. 
But the Bible also says that Jesus is the ultimate judge over all things good, bad, and immoral, like John? Yes. Okay, I'm bad with names, so I'll take the small victories when they come. Um, And so that's who Jesus was. And Jesus tells us as Christians in the church, okay, that we should, before we judge our brother, we should make sure we get the plank out of our own eye so we can address the speck in our brother's eye. Okay? He doesn't say don't judge. He says by the same standard you judge others, you'll be judged yourself. And so if Jesus did come to teach love, it's not loving to let your brother fall down in sin and not try to help him. Or your sister. Okay. Now, just a a point of clarification here. Paul's very clear in 1 Corinthians 5 that Christians should not be judging non-Christians. We shouldn't look down on the non-Christian. Okay? Key distinction there. Another point, all truth is relative. That would mean that it's just true for me. Well, what if I don't find that claim to be true for me? What if it's not true for me that all truth is relative? Another claim, only science can give us truth. This is a big one today. You've got atheists, Richard Dawkins, Samuel Harris, and all these, and a couple others, writing books about God and religion and philosophy. And a lot of these people are scientists and Einstein said that scientists make bad philosophers, but anyways. Um, a, re- a reply to this, this claim would be, is that a scientific truth? Is it a scientific truth that only science can give us truth? What lab experiment was done to determine that? Well, there was none. That's a philosophical claim. It's not a scientific claim. And just a, another point about science. Science doesn't tell us anything. Okay? Science is not a person. Only people speak. So scientists are the ones that interpret the science and tell it to us. Okay? Science is a, a process. It's a framework for discovering knowledge and truth about the universe. And at that, it's a, it's a very good one. It's the best thing we have for determining things about the natural world, not the supernatural. But scientists are people just like you and me. And they have biases. And that comes into play. So whenever you hear science says something, no, a scientist said it. Okay? Now, the facts might back it up, but it might not. You should evaluate those claims on their merits, not on who says them. Just like you should evaluate the claims that I'm giving you today, not because I say them. You don't know me. But you should evaluate them on their ideas okay? and on the merit of their ideas. Another view, you shouldn't force your morality on people. And I would say, is that your moral view? And they would probably say yes. And I would say, why are you forcing it on me? Okay? So all of, the, all of these claims come from relativism. The view that moral and religious claims are relative to the subject, me, the person. Okay, but relativism is false. I hope you see this. Now, you might disagree with me that the Bible is an objective truth. We haven't talked much about it, but you might disagree with with that premise. And that's okay for now. Um, But there is no morally neutral ground, as we just showed. People who would claim to be morally neutral would say, oh, you shouldn't judge others. You know, you can't know that you're right. But what did they just do? They just judged you and they just claimed to be right. And so I, I hope you see that you cannot be neutral with regards to morality. And even if you do claim to be in an intellectual conversation, you know, it doesn't matter to me. I don't think theft is objectively wrong. Now, I wouldn't want to have things stolen from me, 
But it's not wrong for people to do it. It's just wrong for me to do it. That's my morality. Well, how should such a person react if their car is stolen? Well, they shouldn't call the police because it's not wrong. Okay. And all, they, all they're left with is saying, I don't like it. They can only emote about it. Just in the same way that, that someone who might be an evolutionist and doesn't think that there is such a thing as the supernatural. There's nothing immaterial that exists. Only material things exist. Such a person would think, well, maybe, or should think, maybe I'm just not fit enough to protect my car. I'll go steal a car from someone who's less fit than myself. That's the natural extension of that philosophical view. But if anybody calls the police when their car's stolen, they're borrowing from the Judeo-Christian worldview that there are absolutes in terms of right and wrong. That they're not just emoting. They think it's legitimately wrong. If you punch someone in the face, they're not going to say, I didn't like that. They're going to say it was wrong. Now that's assault or battery. I can't remember which one is saying words. I think that's battery. Anyways. And so moral relativists would say that truth and religion and morals are all based on a preference. But here's the problem with that. Christianity is not based on a preference. Okay? It's not based on a preference. It's based on historical fact. Now, you might disagree with those facts. And, and in such a case, we would go and look at the evidence. Is there good reason to believe that Jesus was who he said he was? Is there good reason to trust the Bible? Maybe you find those reasons compelling. Maybe you don't. But you can't say it's a preference. Okay? Because it's either true that Jesus lived a perfect life, he was crucified and resurrected, or he wasn't. That is the heart of the Christian faith. Notice that's not a preference. I don't think he was, or I think he was a good person. No, he either was or he wasn't. Right? Now, maybe he wasn't, in which case Paul says that Christians are to be pitied. We missed the boat. Okay? But if he was then that makes the Christian claim true. And, it, and the Christian claim is one that can either be true or false. It's not a claim that can be true for you. Okay, you should not choose to be a Christian, or you should not choose any religion, because you like it. That seems to be what's taught today. Oh, I found this religion. It works for me. I have less stress. No, you should choose a religion because it's true. Right? There are things about Christianity I don't like. I'll be upfront about that. But I didn't choose it because I liked it. I chose it because it's true. Okay? So in today's culture, it seems popular, like I said, to find something that works for you. Oh, I like this diet, or I like this type of exercise. And that, that's great. Those things do work differently for different people. But if your religion isn't based on truth and it helps you, then that's just some type of psychological therapy. You're not getting in touch with anything deeper than a lie. So this brings us to tolerance. Would someone like to define tolerance for me? The acceptance of, the acceptance of something or someone. Okay. And what's your name? Kelsey. Kelsey. Kelsey and John. Okay. Anyone else have a definition? You might just agree with hers. You might have a different one. The idea? Yeah. Okay. So something like that? Okay. Here's another claim. 
Does anyone have a problem with either of these claims? Raise your hand if you do. Okay. Keep your hand up if you have a problem with the second claim and not the first. So you're good with the first claim and you have a problem with the second claim. Okay, that, that's a fair amount of hands. Okay, you don't like either one of them. Who likes the first claim and not the second one? Okay, let's talk about that. So, okay, so do you agree with the first claim? Okay, do you, do you agree? Maybe. No equivocating. Take a stand, you know, while you're seated. Um, do you agree with the second claim? No. Okay, so you're iffy on the first one and definitely no on the second one. Okay, and I, I'm guessing quite a few of you might be in that boat. Okay. <laughs> okay, well, let's, let's talk about that. So, is it a view that it's okay to say hateful things to gays? Is that a view? So, if you agree with that, then you can't tell me I'm wrong on the second one. If you agree with the first statement. If all views are equally valid, then it is a valid view that it's okay to say hateful things to gays. I don't think it is. I think it's atrocious. But if you agree with that first statement, you cannot condemn the second one. And this is the problem with tolerance today. This new type of tolerance, which has emerged in the last 10 or 15 years. The new tolerance would say you tolerate most beliefs, but you don't tolerate, show respect for, those who take exceptions with those beliefs. You can't say something is wrong. Right? If all ideas are equal then your idea is no better than someone else's. But here's the problem. You can't tolerate something you agree with. That's called agreement. <laughs> you only tolerate things you disagree with. Okay? So this new tolerance is self-defeating. Just like those claims when you shouldn't judge. Just like saying there's no truth. It's a self-defeating problem. Or statement. And if you're not tolerant today, if you don't accept people's views that disagree with yours, you might be called some names. You might be called a bigot. You might be told you're mean or hateful. You might be called narrow-minded or hateful, again. <laughs> um, and this just amounts to name-calling. There's nothing substantive there. There's no substance in that objection. Have they said anything about your view? Have they said how it's false? Or have they said how their view is true? No, they've tried to shut you up. And this just amounts to a whip to keep you in line. Because no one likes being called a bigot. There's a, there's a lot of baggage attached to that word. No one likes being called hateful. If you're a Christian and you're trying to campaign for your view, and someone says you're hateful, oh, well, shucks. Like, I'm not supposed to be hateful. That's not good. So when people are unwilling to have their views challenged on the merits, a lot of times they resort to name-calling. You know, think back to the... The playground in, in elementary school, someone took your toy, what did you do? You called them a name. Well, there's a grown-up form of that, and it's called the new tolerance. Someone says something you don't like, and so you call them a name. You don't address the idea on its merits. And this isn't good, just so you understand. Okay. So it's easier to say you intolerant bigot than to confront an idea and either refute it or be changed by it. Because to confront an idea, you have to know what you believe. You can't just say... A statement, and then if someone disagrees, call them a name. No, you have to be able to defend it. 
Okay? And if you're a Christian, I would encourage you to be able to defend your faith. We're exhorted to do that in 1 Peter 3.15. Always be ready to give an answer for the hope you possess. If you're a non-Christian, be prepared to defend your belief. Have that intellectual credibility and honesty to know why you believe what you believe. And I must say, I have been changed by ideas in my life. You know, my beliefs today don't look like they did 10 years ago or three years ago. Now, that's not to say that one belief is as good as another. No, I think I was wrong on those previous things I thought that I've since moved away from. And that points to the fact that there's objective truth. So let's look at what Webster's Dictionary has to say about the word tolerate. It means to allow or permit, to recognize and respect others' beliefs and practices without sharing them, to bear or put up with someone or something not necessarily liked. But our postmodern culture has corrupted this word and its ideals. So true tolerance involves three points. Permitting or allowing. Everyone seems to agree on that. We're supposed to permit and allow. But the question is, is what are we supposed to permit and allow? Well, a conduct or point of view that one disagrees with or doesn't like, while respecting the person in the process. That's the key thing here. Tolerance involves respect. Name-calling is not respect. Okay. So all people are valuable. That's what this idea of tolerance would say. We respect everyone. Everyone's created in God's image on the Christian worldview. Okay? And so people are valuable. All ideas are not the same. There are stupid questions. There are stupid ideas. Okay, saying that chair has three legs when you can see it has four, that, that's a stupid idea. Trying to say that gravity acts upwards is a stupid idea. Okay, so there are some objectively dumb ideas out there. and All ideas are not the same. Right? If I say it's okay to torture babies for fun, you would say no, hopefully. Right? That's not the same as saying that I like Twix bars. Right? These are objectively different things. So when you're called intolerant, which can be a common occurrence, always ask for a definition. Okay? So someone says, I'm intolerant, and I say, what do you mean by that? By the way, that's a great question in any conversation. Someone says something, what do you mean by that? How did you come to that conclusion? Two great questions. Well, they're probably going to say, well, you think you're right. You're intolerant. You think you're right. Okay. Well, don't you think you're right too? Isn't that why you're telling me I'm wrong? I can't be wrong if there's no such thing as right and wrong. I can't be wrong if something's only true for you. No, you're telling me I'm wrong. So why is it that I'm intolerant when I think I'm right, but when you think you're right, you're just right? Starting to see how this works? And so... Almost always, when you ask someone to define their term, when someone calls you a bigot, say, what do you mean by that? I haven't looked that word up recently. You know, what does that mean? Well, you're saying not nice things. Well, they're either true or false, right? You don't go to your doctor and your doctor says, hey, you've got cancer, you've got six months to live, and you say, you're mean, I'm going to get a second opinion. <laughs> no, it's either true or false. And on the Christian worldview, claims about morality are either true or false. They're not just... Emotions, they're not preferences. It's the same as going to your doctor and saying, Doctor, do I have cancer? So in conclusion, I'm going to leave you with a quote from Greg Kokel, who's a Christian apologist, someone who contends for the Christian faith. Be egalitarian regarding persons. Be elitist regarding ideas. 
Egalitarian means open to everyone, treating everyone the same way. Okay? All people are valuable. I might disagree with you. And this, this goes to the misquoted quote to Voltaire, which says, I may disagree with what you have to say, but I'll defend to the death your right to say it. He didn't actually say that. But someone writing his autobiography, or his biography did, about him, they thought he held that view. Well, we've lost that today. I will disagree with what you have to say, and I will try to shut you up to keep you from saying it. I will call you names. I will try to pass laws and legislation, policies. I will try to shame you for your beliefs. And none of that treats all people as equal. So the Christian worldview would encourage the fact that there is absolute right and wrong, and along with that, that all people are valuable. Okay? All ideas are not valuable. It's not that all ideas are equal. They're not. And so, we haven't talked much about Christianity, but what I, my goal today was to, get, to put a stone in your shoe. To give you something to think about. To equip you to be able to evaluate claims. And understand, are they subjective? Or are they objective? Okay, and if they're objective, they apply to everyone. So, does anyone have questions? Would you like to challenge me on my point of view? Is there, is there anything that you don't understand that you'd like clarification on? I could be wrong. I'll be upfront about that. I have good reasons for believing what I believe, but it's possible, small possibility, I could be wrong. So any questions? You said that um, your beliefs today are different than they were three years ago, and you can objectively see that you were wrong three years ago. When yes. Three years ago... Did you feel the same way about the way you felt three years before that or five years before that? That you were right? You feel as convicted three years ago as you feel today? Okay. Yes. And, and just to speak a little about that. Feelings can be helpful to a point. But I can have a strong feeling that something is true and it could be really false. Like people used to believe the earth was flat. Um, and so... When confronted with new evidence, I evaluate it. And if that clears up something I was unsure of before, or contradicts it, or shows it in a new light, then I'm going to go where the wealth of the good evidence leads me to. Does that answer your question? Perfectly, because I wanted to kind of just take that to the next step, is that as you're talking to these guys, and they have strong beliefs in what they believe now, which which I encourage, which is great, what, what skill, what attribute would you suggest or you know encourage them to have to be open to to at the same time being convicted to also being open to change and new ideas I think today we're way too quick to assume we're right in a situation okay and and I think we don't I think at some point we stop searching for evidence Science, archaeology, these different disciplines are constantly finding more evidence that testifies to the reliability of the Bible. They aren't stopping. They never think it's good enough. Okay? And I would encourage you to do the same thing. To never be satisfied with what you know. To always be looking to learn more. I saw a stat yesterday that 50 or 60-something percent of high school graduates will never read another book in their life. 47% 47% or 43% sorry of college graduates don't be that person always be trying to learn 
And always ask questions of what you're reading, of what's told to you. Okay? All ideas are not equal. You need to interrogate them. And there just seems to be something about how we're wired as, wired as people that when we read something with a critical eye, when we ask questions of it, we get more out of it than we just drink it in. And so what changed in the last three to five years for me was that I understood that I couldn't just rely on what had been told to me. I couldn't rely on solely on tradition or how I felt that I had to go to the evidence. And I could never be satisfied with what I knew. And I should, because if I'm satisfied, I'm not going to listen to you if you tell me I'm wrong about something because, hey, I'm comfortable where I am. No, I always want to make sure I'm right. And I want to go where the evidence leads. So I would encourage you to always be looking into evidence. So if you have convictions now, make sure you know why. Were they just told to you? Or do you know why you believe what you believe? So, does that answer your question? That's great. Well, if there are no other questions, thank you, and I guess we'll uh, be out a little early. So...